Blog Talk Radio. John L. Solomon, the lion among lions in the lion's den. Listen, it's my purpose today to bring you strength. Strength from the lion's den is a compelling talk show that discusses life's difficult situations and celebrates our accomplishments through interviews on relevant topics, important issues, and empowerment from a biblical perspective. The lion's den will bring you the energy of encouragement, transcending godly wisdom, the efficacy of knowledge and education, and primarily strength to the victorious and the weary in life from the sourcehood of our connection with our Savior Jesus Christ. So you know you know what to do. Go ahead and get your roar on. That's what I need you to do. Just roar. Come on, roar for your victory. Roar for your power. Roar for your prosperity. Roar for your deliverance. And my friend, just roar from for your strength. Listen, tonight we got a hot topic for us tonight. And we're gonna be talking about love wouldn't beat me down. You can call in five one six four one eight five nine three seven. Listen, one in three women and one in four men have been victims of some form of physical violence uh, by an intimate partner within their lifetime. I recently watched a movie by film director Courtney Glaude, and he uncovered the ugly horrors of domestic violence in his movie Blink, which reminded me that a lot of people don't want to talk about this. They like to avoid, you know, subjects like this and, you know, uh, child molestation and uh, domestic violence and abuse. They want to avoid this, but we can't avoid it. These are things we need to talk about. So join me tonight, this evening, as my guest, and we're going to talk about why love wouldn't beat me down. Now, you know my co-host, he's a community leader who's one of a kind when it comes to developing talent and helping people to advance themselves. He encourages them to find and develop a relationship with God and a pathway to bridge their goals. His tenure in Tampa Bay community includes working with Tampa General Hospital, Metropolitan Ministries, and multi-level marketing uh, companies. He has worked to improve the lives of others as well as his his own through multiple business ventures that supports team building, professional development, and community involvement. Through these companies, he has impacted the lives of so many individuals, and he plans to continue doing so. He's my six-figure Big brother, Mr. CEO, Prophet Philip Reed. Brother. <laughs> well, thank you once again, Apostle, for having me on the show. God bless you, man. I'm excited. You are, uh, it, 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 it's getting good. It's getting All good. Right, and I appreciate you for the, for the opportunity. Brother, you know. All right. Let's get to our, our guests tonight, our panelists. They, they bring a, a wealth of knowledge. Listen, my first guest was a victim of a violent attack by a boyfriend in 1986. She pressed charges and testified. The person who attacked her received a lenient sentence with no jail time at all. 26 years later, she was a surprise witness in a trial against the same person. This would be the beginning of her finally breaking her silence and being able to do what she has always desired to do. That's speak up and speak out. She is now a speaker and advocate. She was recently recognized by Mothers Against Violence at the Shades of Purple Night of Empowerment. Her story is portrayed on Dates from Hell, episode on ID Channel, and it's titled Say Yes or Die. And a Lifetime Movie Network channel with M2 Pictures, I Dated a Psycho. Oof, 
I'm sure many people can relate to that, but I digress. In July 2017, Natalie was featured on the Dr. Oz show in October 2017. She was a special guest with the Housewives of Atlanta on an episode to raise awareness about domestic violence. She now volunteers with Promise Place in Fayetteville, Georgia. She teaches things about healthy relationships and warning signs about unhealthy relationships. She works behind the scenes with victims, survivors, and families that are affected. Is still an active member and volunteer of My Help, My Hope Incorporated in Virginia, VA in the house. She has a strong partnership with the My Help, My Hope Foundation Incorporated. The CEO of the foundation, Catherine Station, and my guests have partnered on several projects, and they're planning their own tour and conference. She's done so much to advocate IPV and has such an extensive resume that I just have to allow you to hear her for yourself. The unconquerable Miss Natalie Purdy. So glad to have you here tonight. I'm so honored to be here tonight. So thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's a great, great honor for us. Listen, my next guest is a proud native of Savannah. Savannah? No, it's Savannah, Georgia. She currently resides in Macon, Georgia. She's a graduate of Middle Georgia State University and Fort Valley State University. She's a certified driver's education instructor, family and consumer sciences teacher. LCCLA advisor and teens and driver's seat advisor. She currently teaches students in the ninth through twelfth grades about CTAE pathways related to family and consumer scientists about post-secondary options. She is also a former assistant band director, auxiliary director who now functions as a choreographer and competition competition educator. She has been a part of violence intervention and prevention VIP developed by Miss Stephanie Whitehead for many years now. She has spoken at the Buck Melton Center, the Davis Home Center, making City Hall with the silent night vigils for Sigma Gamma Rho Symposium and numerous other facilities. She believes in the motto, silence gives consent, but she defines it as domestic violence must be spoken about or it will continue to be pervasive if kept silent. She's the mother of three children, Andrew, Anthony, and Taylor, all three graduates of Georgia's prestigious universities. She believes in education, family, and faith and attends Bethany SDA Church in Macon, Georgia. As a survivor of IPV, she always welcomes the opportunity to speak and learn on the issues of domestic violence. The incredible Miss Tequila Thomas, thank you for being here tonight. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. All right, we're glad to have everybody in the studio tonight. Thank you. We we know most relationships have difficult times, and every couple argues now and then, you know. But violence is a whole nother level when it comes to marital and relationship problems. So uh, I want to start with you. Uh, I want to say I don't know why I want to say Dr. Purdy, <laughs> but I want to start with I'll you, take that. Dr. Purdy. You're gonna get an honorary degree from the Lions. Then can we do that, Big Brother? Uh, give our honorary degree. We sure can. Okay. okay. Well, you're an honorary doctor on this program, Dr. Purdy. Uh, I want to know, you. what was your initial reaction to the beating or the hit or the slapping? And if so, when did you realize what was happening to you wasn't something that was good? Um, I'm sorry. I got stuck for a second. Um, my story is just a little different, so okay. I never experienced the physical okay. violence. Right. I um, I was more so a victim of the emotional. Okay. And even then, it was um, he was very careful in how he did it, with the type of um, control. Mm-hmm. Um, by buying me gifts, buying me things. But my major warning sign was just that he wanted to move too fast. Okay. And that's when I knew that. That's one of the major signs that a lot of people don't look look at and don't recognize is when a person is trying to move really fast mm-hmm. and they want like to be when a boyfriend. They're, when they're in, they're in a hurry for seemingly no reason that you or reason that you know of? That's correct. Um, at the time, um, I was I, 17. I was just turned 18, and immediately he went from we were dating. 
she mm-hmm. wanted to just bypass boyfriend and jump straight to let's get married. Okay. Like move out, move in with me, let's get married. Mm, I see. Wow. Miss mm. Thomas, what about you? Um, mine was a mixture. Um, nothing happened physically at first. Um, then there was an incident that happened, and um, um, I don't know if it was a push, a hit. Or whatever it was, and it might be just because I didn't want to believe it. So I still can't define it to this day, but whatever it was, it knocked me on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, after that point, things were kind of sparingly because it wasn't something that was consistent. It seemed like there were, um, if you will, high points, meaning when that person felt um cornered maybe or defeated or um, not empowered, then that's when they would come with physical moments or sexual moments or um, emotional moments towards me. Mm. Wow, I see. Man, that's something. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's talk about maybe the signs of domestic violence. As you mentioned, uh, Dr. Perry, you were saying how one of the signs was to move in too fast because we know domestic abuse, violence and abuse, it becomes a pattern. And it just yeah. sometimes continue on, you know, some the controlling behavior. Can you give us some of the signs? Yeah, some of the signs are um, humiliating you, trying to control you, trying to isolate you or hurt you. Um, a lot of the signs are... Um, of course, the physical violence, but also the emotional, even just to try and control what you think or how you mm-hmm. should feel about a certain thing. Um, and one thing that a lot of people, I hope I'm not jumping ahead, but one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that the beginning stages of domestic violence is never um, a violent stage. In the very Mm -hmm. beginning, they start out as your best friend, and they worship you, and they make you feel Mm -hmm. like you're the best thing in the world. And so that's part of the stages. So that's why a lot of times people look and say, well, how did it get to this point? Well, it didn't start out that way. It started out really good on a really big high, and then they gain your trust, And so you start to tell, as in any relationship, you start to share things and you may start to tell, like, your fears. You may start to tell your relationships as far as with different family members. You may tell your relationships with your friends. But unfortunately, that's later on used against you when it's in an unhealthy relationship. Right. That's one thing I was thinking, they, they gain that trust. Then you're, you're, yeah. you're wide open. Uh, what, go ahead, Miss Thomas. Yeah. Thomas. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I was just, you know, I kind of wanted to add, you know, another thing. Um, isolation is big, you know. Mm-hmm. When um, when Dr. Purdy mentioned, see, I'm calling you doctor too. When, <laughs> when she mentioned about the, um, we're going to speak it. When she mentioned about gaining your trust, um, mm-hmm. isolation becomes a thing. Um, let's get her or him away from those that love them and those that could intercede on their behalf. You know, we're not going to make it obvious. Perhaps we're going to say, let's let's move from this state to you know this island and make it seem romantic. When really mm-hmm. there's this this deeper. Uh, this deeper thing that's saying, okay, I'm going to get them away from everything and everybody so that I can further whatever mission it is that I have. And in this case, is one to tear this person down or make them dependent upon me so that they can't move like they should be able to and nobody can reach them. Mm. That isolation, that's a, that's a powerful uh, tool used by people who want to control situations and uh, people. 
Listen, we got to take a break. It's already there, that first one. And we're going to be right back, and we're going to uh, get a little bit deeper when we come back. Y'all stay tuned. Strip from the Lions Den, Apostle John L. Solomon. We're talking about love wouldn't beat me down. We'll be right back. Have you priced commercials lately? Advertising can truly break your budget. At Win, we eliminate the most common hurdle to advertising. Advertise with Win to reach potential customers locally, nationally, and internationally for as low as $150. Yes, that's right, $150 per commercial. We Inspire Network Radio is a new and rapidly growing online radio network that boasts of dynamic seasoned show hosts who are drawing audiences from across the nation and abroad. Africa, Australia, Scotland, Canada, just to name a few. We also have the technical capabilities to advertise your products and services through sound bites, slideshows, and more. No long-term contracts. You pay per show. Advertise on WIN, and you are sure to be a winner. For more information, call us, 201-477-0469. Email Annie Bell at wealthmanagement-fs.org. What's the difference between a gazelle and what's the difference between a lion? What's the difference? I know that they're wired different, but what's the difference? And what I discovered is that the gazelle is running from something. I asked myself the question about the lion, and I said the lion is not running to be rewarded. The lion is running to eat. Every single day, the lion is running to eat. You've got to ask yourself, what's your why? What motivates you? What pushes you? What drives you? Right. You can have it. You can be it. You can do it. You can. Listen, I'm Apostle John L. Sarkis. from the Lions Den. We're powered by We Inspire Network Radio. I'm partnering with a good team of people. They just want us to win. Listen, tonight in the den, we have uh, Miss Natalie Purdy. We, we she, She's been favorably called Dr. Purdy up here in the den. Yeah. And we have Miss <laughs> Thomas and, of course, Mr. CEO, my brother, Philip Reed. Listen, we just thank you all for being here tonight. And tonight we're talk we're talking about uh, domestic violence. It's uh it's it's, it's you know like uh, my guest said if you if you don't say anything about it if you keep it hidden if you keep closed mouth then we can never uh, do anything about it. But when we open up the conversation and people begin to discuss it and talk about it, that's when you hear people coming out of the corners and cracks and coming out of the shadows and say, hey, I want to talk about my story, what was happening with me. Big brother, anything you want to add? Whew. Uh, the, the hand to the ladies for uh, the courage to even tell mm-hmm. a story. Because sometimes you can tell a story. I feel. I feel the, whew, I feel it. And, and, and I just want to say I apologize for what you went through. You know, and that's what we have to do as men. We have to cover, you know, not just our wives, not just our mothers, just not our sisters. But we're responsible for covering. You know, that's what the family is all about. It's about covering. And when we get that kind of mentality back that we're a family, it says it takes a village to raise them, but it also takes a village to protect. And that's the mold we have to do. We have to encourage our brothers and, and, and raise our young men proper. This is, it, it has to start on the other end, even as to why. I scratch my head every time I hear about it. You know, I have, I have three daughters, so you know. I have three uh, sisters. I, so I have a mother. I have an aunt. So I'm, I'm well aware of uh, a women. You know, I was raised by a strong female. So, you know, it wasn't I was told not to hit a woman. I was There's no reason to hit a woman, period. Yeah. And if it gets to that level, I can remove myself, you know. Well, so not even, can't even understand the mindset, and that's a whole other conversation. But once again, I just applaud you, young ladies, for uh, having the courage to share with us, and we appreciate you. Amen. Well, I, I thank you, too, because I, I remember I, – I, I was headed in that direction of physical envi- physical violence with my girlfriend, but uh, man, when that second grade girl beat my butt, I'm telling you that was it. I was done. So, I can't do it with her. I can't. I fell in love with girls, and that was it. I, I've been nice ever since. You know, that little second grade girl did me in, so you know, I said, "Hey, none for me. I ain't trying." To, you know, anyway, just a little levity, but. Listen, we want to move on. This is a very serious topic. I just wanted to 
touch you for a minute, but listen, I want to know, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people want to know, how did you get out? Because you, you, you know, I'm going to get to that million dollar question that people always ask, but before I get there, I want to know what happened and how did you get out? I'm going to start with you this time, Ms. Thomas. For me, um, my getting out was a, a set of steps, and it, it, it sounds simple now, but at the time it wasn't simple. Right, um, right. I got a sheet of paper, you know, and people talk about vision boards and things like that, and so I kind of, it, it kind of reminds me, you know, of, I guess it sort of was what it was, but I didn't know. I got a sheet of paper, and I remember I had written in my, um, I had written in my journal before that. And I reread what I wrote, and it was just saying how um, I hated my hair. I hated my status. Mm-hmm. Everything was rough. Why am I so awful? Am I unworthy of love, attention, commitment? It just said so many things, and I reread it, and I realized at that moment, this is not who my mom raised. This is not who my grandmother helped raise. This is not the person that's going to raise my children and that's going to talk to other children and empower them. So I got out a sheet of paper, and I wrote, this is what I want. And I put new job, new car, new life. (laughs) I put all of those things down, and I told myself, this is what I'm going to have. And by me writing it, I saw it in my head. And what I started doing was opening my mouth. There was... um, one lady that I was um, actually doing work experience for, and she would always tell me, you smile all the time, you know, you're just so happy. And this particular day, I told her, I said, it's a lie. It's Mm -hmm. a lie. I said, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. I can't stand it and help me. And when I said that to her, she introduced me to somebody that changed my life forever. And and that was Stephanie Whitehead, and she became my advocate. Now, um, people say, well, um, I do believe in prayer, and 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 I can tell you there were days I prayed, but there were days I didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because I was angry with God; it was just my mind was all over the place, and I just knew I just needed to get it right some kind of way. And I tell myself now that. He had to have been with me even then because I knew that it was going to eventually work out. I just didn't know when. And she helped me. She helped me get out of the situation. She helped me do the things I needed to do and address myself first because I couldn't move first without realizing that I deserved to move, that I deserved better. All of those things that I wrote down were attainable for me, and I was going to have it. And that was the first part of how I left. Um, the oh, the initial last, I call it the last situation. And that's funny how we call something a situation. You know, we don't really want to address it, but um, it was it was just an awful thing where I was beaten and I was stomped on. And I lost my hearing for a while. And it was just so bad where I can detail the bottom of the shoe because I remember seeing it come down on my face. Mm. And it just became a situation where um, the police were called and my perpetrator was arrested on site and I was immediately taken to the hospital. And for me, that was it. Because I'd already made up in my mind And with that piece of paper that I was going to leave But what I didn't realize Is the most dangerous point in time Usually with domestic violence Is when that person decides It's time to leave That's whether you take me out of here in a box Or whether I'm going out here walking It was time for me to go either way And so my get out With the worst beating I ever had in my life but I survived it, and I am so great to so many people, God and so many people. Amen. Thank you for sharing that with us. Dr. Purdy, can you continue on? How did you get out, and uh, what happened? Ooh, 
I'm I'm still stuck on her um story. I forgot I was on the radio. Um <laughs> with um with my story, um with with my situation it was totally different. And But there there um, were emotional there were emotional ties with you, right, Dr. Purdy? Because they can be some strong, you know, the, what the ties that bind us, those emotional ties can be just as strong sometimes. That's correct. That's correct. Um, a lot of people, um, when they are in um, an abusive relationship, um, a lot of times people may judge and think, why are you still there? But you forget that that person actually loves that other person and hopes that they will change. Um, I can tell you that my my time leaving, um, it was only one time. It usually takes a woman seven times to leave. But mine was only one time, and again, I wasn't um, I wasn't in a physical abusive relationship, so I... I really didn't see any signs prior to that. He came over, and we sat down and we talked, and it was um, a very calm, cool, and collective conversation. Um, And I explained to him that I just felt like we were moving too fast. I wasn't sure if I wanted us to just slow down or maybe take a break. Keep in mind, I was a teenager. So I was really indecisive on to stay or go or what I wanted to do. I just knew it was moving too fast. And so I tried to, um, as we were having that conversation, we just kept going around and around, and this felt like a circle, like, okay, we're not getting anywhere. So maybe we just need to come back tomorrow and talk about it then because it's getting late. But then at the same time, I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't. I don't even know. I'm 18. So... He said okay, and he proceeded to leave. And as he proceeded to leave, as I was walking him to the door, is when he attacked me. But um, I do want to just, um, if I can, just speak to people who may be thinking about leaving. Um, Again, it's the most dangerous time in a relationship in an abusive relationship, it's the most dangerous time. So the first thing you need to do is perhaps contact the shelter. Um, let your family know or let a friend know. Let someone know that you can trust. And it's also dangerous for them because a lot of times abusers will then try and track down that person that they know you're the closest to and mm-hmm. They are, they're in a dangerous situation. They can be harmed. They can be killed. That happens a lot of times. So it's really to know your abuser's red flags, to know if trouble is brewing on that at that time. It might not be a good mm-hmm. time to leave. Identify mm-hmm. safe areas of where you can get out. Try not to be stuck in a small and closed um, place. Um, make sure you maybe have a calling card or a track phone or just mm-hmm. different things that you can start to prepare yourself to, to get out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take up your whole show because I will because, you know, I'm nah, Dr. Purdy. I like that. That was good. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We want to discuss the, uh, it, you know, because I talked to a few people. We were talking about is there a type of woman or are you just blindsided or do you have, quote, as they say, daddy issues or do you just fall, get attracted to the wrong man? But we'll we'll deal with that and we'll ask uh, the brothers a question. Well, the one brother, you know, not me. I'm the whole so. But uh, we'll, we're going to be right back. Y'all stay tuned. This is a serious, serious topic we're talking about tonight. So y'all stay with us. Love wouldn't beat me down. Strength from the lion's den. And we'll be right back. Take it away. Do you 
We inspire network. We it's not your ordinary radio station. The home of true inspiration. Inspiration. We inspire network. We it's not your ordinary radio station. The home of true inspiration. Inspiration. We inspire network. We inspire network. We inspire network. We inspire Shout out to my CEO, Lord B.J. Bell, and CEO, Annie Bell. We're going to win, baby. We're going to win. Listen, tonight we're talking about love wouldn't beat me down. I have some tremendous women, very courageous, very incredible stories. Miss Dr. Dr. Natalie Purdy, look at me. I'm I'm choked up. Dr. Natalie Purdy, she's respectively the doctor in the lion's den tonight. And Miss Tequila Thomas, we just thank you all for coming forth. And also my big brother, Mr. CEO, Philip Reed. And uh, we're talking about domestic violence, inter-partner, what is it, intimate partner violence is what they're calling it now. Uh, so as we as we continue to go on, um, Philip, I'm going to get to you in a minute. Uh, then, mm-hmm. you know, well, let me, let, me, let me do this. Let me ask this question before I go to the next one. Um, well, no, I'll go back to my question. Look at me. I'm twisting and turning. I got a producer. I got it. <laughs> Uh, right, women right. get into, uh, and I say women because you know a lot of they say well men experience it too, but more more it, it's the more percentage are women. So let's let's look at it for what it is, you know. And and let's and do women get into this situation? What uh, is it because they're blindsided? Is there low self-esteem? Is there a predictor var- variable that's there, or is it just is is one of them things? You know that and that's how people who are ignorant to the situation or don't know about it, those are the kind of questions or the things that they say. Uh, can you address that for me, Dr. Purdy? Absolutely. Um, domestic violence has no, um, there's no particular person, there's no particular sign that, or it does not discriminate. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be, a doctor, a lawyer, a judge, a pastor who is um, abusive, um, and it can be a woman that may have, um, a lot of times people think it's a woman or a man that has low self-esteem, but that's not true. A lot of times people try to victimize people who they know are strong, they may be headstrong, they may be um, very successful, they may be um, powerful in their career and successful and have a loving family. And a lot of times, um, victim, you know, um, the attackers will they'll purposely go after that person sometimes because they want to prove that they can still break that person down. So when you look at people in the media and you see them going through the same things that, that an, you know, an average person goes through, a lot of times we're more shocked. But it just goes to show you that it can happen to anyone. So there, I, there, there's, no, there's nothing. Sometimes you may find more domestic violence. Yes, it's true. You may find it um, more so in lower-income areas or C 
single family homes or things like that, yeah, you may find it more. And a lot of times we report it more mm-hmm. as as opposed to people who are um, of a higher economic status, they keep it quiet. They don't mm-hmm. want to tell anyone. You won't find that person to go to a shelter. They may even have more access to money and things where they can escape, they can get away. Mm-hmm. Whereas, unfortunately, um, the average person, if he's controlling the money, you can't leave and you don't have the finances saved or you're able to have a secret bank account that you can start to save money somewhere else. So that's that's the difference, I believe. Okay, good, good. Ms. Thomas, um, you, you, did you hear the question or you want me to repeat it? I did. I did. Okay, go ahead. Um, well, I agree with Dr. Birdie. Those things, um, it needs to be emphasized because um, I know there are times when I would hear, well, if it were me, that wouldn't have happened. So I know what it is, and I was that. Well, I wasn't like that either. I have a, you know, Puerto Rican black grandmother who did not take nonsense from anybody. But that didn't stop me from loving who I love and dealing with what I dealt with. And it didn't put me in a, a quote-unquote trailer or whatever else as people thought, you know, I was just supposed to. These are the only people that, that got hands put on them. Um, educated. Um, I think I'm attractive. <laughs> uh, yes, <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> Many things like that, you know. And, and the whole point is, I don't belong to him. I'm a child of God. I belong to him. So your hands shouldn't have been on me in the first place. So um, it's just important to know it can happen to any woman. And usually there are a lot of cases where that same person is saying, it, this wouldn't happen to me, I this, I that, and they turn around and they go home and they're going through it too. Uh, come on now. But they say that yeah. as a facade for somebody else, and it needs to stop because it keeps That's people right. from speaking and it shames them, and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. I, that's that's powerful. I like how you, you know, I appreciate you for uh, putting it out there that there is no type because there's some people who maybe survivors thinking if I would have been this way, if I would have been that way, this mm-hmm. would have happened. Right, and right. that's really mm-hmm. not the case, not the case at all. So thank you for that. Big brother. Yes, sir. Um, how has did domestic violence impact you in any way growing up? Did you see it? Did you experience it? What was it uh like for you as a, a, a young man, a young male, or even now as older, what, what do you address that for me? Uh, well, coming from uh, Philly, that's my city, um, you saw a lot, and it was one incident that really does stick out, and it was like ridiculous. Uh, me and my big brother, we was walking, and um, walking through the neighborhood as we do, and, and we saw this guy swinging on an individual. And, you know, we walk by, we're walking up on him, and we're like, man, hey, we're assuming he's, he's taking it to that dude. Like, what happened? Like, what caused that? And as we got closer, we realized it was a female. And we went right into action. We don't, we don't, we from the neighborhood, we don't tolerate that. And we came and got him like, oh, hold up, wait, whoa, whoa, back up. What's going on? And she got up and said, mind your business. Mm. And that stuck with me. I was 16. That stuck with me, as you see, to this day. She said, mind your business. And we like, wow, you know. I mean, we told him to go ahead and move on, but she told us to mind our business. So somewhere in the mind, she thought she might have deserved it, which she didn't, you know. Nothing, once again, nothing justified. And, if, and, if, and as a guy, if it's that bad, then leave her. <laughs> you, you know, there's nothing that can cause that kind of reaction that is justified. Mm-hmm. So, so growing up, seeing that alone, and um, in that era of the '70s, it was, it was, it was a lot of hush, hush stuff going on. And me being young, growing up, you know, you saw things, and you like, you didn't know what you saw at the time. But now here we in the age of information, and and people are coming out. They say, hey, no longer, no longer. And then people are telling the stories when I was 12, 13, 14, you know, and it happened to be a family member, you know, and we're so shamed. Hey, it's not your fault. And that's the message for the night. It's no one's fault. It's male or female at this point, but it's no one's fault to be abused that way 
when and in our neighborhood we was like, you know, fight a man, you know, fight a boy. If you really got to put hands on, you know, hey, we can accommodate that. <laughs> you know. So so that's where I'm from. Like there's no need, you know. You know, yeah. I, I I have a wife and then when she get around her brothers, you know, they play, you know, I'm like, I stand back because that's her brothers. You, you know. But but outside of that can't nobody up rough her up. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, playing or not. So there's a limit to, to that kind of situation. That that must be uh, stopped and addressed, brother. I appreciate that. That's good because I think about them seventy babies, you know, because I'm one. And as we grew up, it was you're right. It was a lot yeah. of hush hush. It was a, and and verse then versus now, where a lot of term, a lot of things that happened back then, we now have terms to define them. You know, back then we didn't have it. Uh, the term was mind your business. The term right. was just keep your keep your nose out of this. The term was "mom okay," you know, things like that. I guess my my personal experience wasn't like you, Doctor Purdy. I would say my mother went through a lot of emotional abuse, and uh, I used to, you know, stand in the doorway at night and watch her cry. You know, she ain't listening, so your mom was safe, you know. But I, I stand in the doorway and watch her cry, and she was crying, and I didn't know what she was crying about, but I knew. Whatever it was, it was so many issues because she didn't disclose a lot to the children. She didn't share a lot. All she did was keep her head down and do what she did, you know, and I saw a lot. And I think that's what opened my heart to, uh, per se, if I could say, women issues or things that women go through. It helped me to become uh, sensitized to what women go through because I, I – you know, and I thought about working with children. I thought about what the children go through when they see their mother being clocked upside the head. I busted, mm-hmm. you know, especially young males, young boys. It's like, okay, do I help mommy? Can I not help mommy? And what they feel and how that impacts them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there are statistics that we can go and, you know, get. Uh-huh. But at the same time, when you internalize what I just said and you think about that young male watching his mom getting beat and he's been mm-hmm. told to stay out of it or he tried to jump in and mm-hmm. got knocked around or he himself is getting beat, how that impacts their lives, you know. Yes. Can I speak on that? One thing I'd like to share? Yes, please. Um, 63% of boys ages 11 to 20 are arrested for murder, and they were arrested for murdering the man who was assaulting their mother. Mm -hmm. And that's today's statistics. And boys who witness domestic violence are twice as likely to abuse their own partners or children when they become adults. Mm-hmm. See, that's that's why you, Doctor Purdy. That's why you, Doctor Purdy. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I want I want to go into uh, a question, and this this uh, this hit, hit me from the movie. I, I wonder what what are some of the harmful effects that you dealt with, or or after effects that. You or maybe some other abusers still deal with, you know, what is it, PTSD, uh, things that happen long after the initial event or while you're in that situation. What are some of the harmful effects that you dealt with and maybe you or some others may still be dealing with? Anybody can take it. Yeah. Say it again. Oh, did, she, did you hear, Ms. Thomas? Yes, go ahead, Dr. Purdy. I'm, I'm listening to you. Oh, okay. I um I do. I suffer from post-traumatic stress, mm-hmm. um, PTSD, absolutely. Um, but even the immediate after effects were the most crucial for me um, because I suffered a fractured skull with a blood tumor on my brain. So I had to learn how um, to read and write again, and um, I had problems with walking, um, vision. I wore a patch for a year and a half. Um, so I lost, I temporarily lost my sight. I was temporarily paralyzed on one side of my body mm-hmm. from just all of the nerve damage. And the after effects are that I'll always have um, migraine headaches. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I have problems with uh, memory. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it's just the emotional effects that 
the trust issues. Um, there's just so many different effects, and a lot of victims go through um, depression. Mm-hmm. That's one of the after effects that you may have. It's just depression, and it goes back to just like you said, if they're feeling like wasn't my fault, you know, feeling helpless, um, because you have to try and rebuild your life again. Um, so sometimes you have that struggle of trying to find a job, and they want to know why haven't you worked for five years, and you're, mm-hmm. you know. Because he made you stay home <laughs> You know, just things like that Whether it's now your credit And you have to rebuild it up Because you have right. to lose everything In order to start over again So it's just so many effects that you have Afterwards However, comma, I do not Want anyone who may be In that situation right now To feel like they're defeated Because I'm here to tell you that it is just totally better to be gone, to be alive, to be safe, and start your life over again, and you don't deserve it. So the best thing is to leave, and there's nothing like afterwards to have that peace of mind, to yeah. not have to worry about living on eggshells, worrying right. about what somebody says. All right, if he's happy, i got to be happy. If he's mad, I have to be quiet. You know, I have to keep... Two-year-olds, quiet. Don't don't make noise. Don't run. He's in a bad mood. I don't want him to beat me again. You know. Oh, just so it's so much wow. better to leave. Wonderful. Leave. That's get out. For me, I appreciate that. Listen, uh, for those who are listening tonight, we're straight from the Lions Den. Apostle John L. Solomon. We're powered by We Inspired Network Radio. Uh, Dr. Purdy, were you fin- were you finishing that thought? I'm sorry, I had to put that in. I'm there. done. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> wow, that that was a that was a lie right there. We we we're grateful yeah. for that. That was good. Miss uh, yeah, Thomas, yeah. you want to share? Oh, I was I was feeling it when she was talking because it was it was like she was inside of my body talking, mm. and and some of the things she mentioned, um, my face wasn't scratched up or anything so some people say oh well you didn't really get hit you know but it's just mm-hmm. not based on it's on the outside because you know there's there's falls to where to talk about bruises fade you know but it was inside it was it's the migraines that i have now it was at the time i lost my hearing um the depression it was there um guilt i felt guilty because I felt like I let everybody that loved me down. I felt like I should have done better because, I don't know, it brought them into a, a, a circumstance like my mother. My mother was devastated that something like that happened to me. And I felt it was my fault because I didn't say anything and I allowed it. And I think one of the biggest things that came from that also, I was already a supporter of children. I became a stauncher one. I'm not going to be quiet if I know something is going on as far as the child, particularly abuse. With all the young high school girls that I'm working with, to know that one in five girls, they report being beaten or abused by a boyfriend before they graduate high school. That stays in my head daily. Wow. That's incredible. Mm, incredible. Listen, we got about 10 minutes left of broadcasting, and um, I want you to have, I want you, I want you, ladies and gentlemen, to have some last words to our listeners who may be uh, survivors, uh, victims, or friends of those in the situation. I want you to have words to say to them, but, you know, briefly. People ask, well, why do you stay? Why do they stay in the situations? And, and you know, of course, they ignorantly ask, ask that as if the victims are to blame. You know, mm-hmm. like, like you were saying, uh, Miss Thomas. You know, they were saying if it was if it was me, what you know, you you hit on one of them, which is isolation. But mm-hmm. if you can tell briefly, just share before I get to your closing uh, comments to the to those listeners. But why 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 do people stay? Why do women stay in these situations? Um, economics is huge. Um, uh, a lot of times 
you don't have the finances. Maybe he's the main breadwinner or the only breadwinner in the household. Say that. And you think, Where am I going to go? You know, um, I don't have a place. And then I know there's also circumstances where you said we have children together. Maybe he's going to look in the eyes of our children and he's going to know that he's, you know, he's wrong in what he's doing and he's going to change his mind. Um, it could also be just just a dependency, just, oh, he wouldn't do this unless he loved me. He just, you know, I don't know. We, we, we tell ourselves different things. It depends on at what part of the cycle that you're in, you know. Sometimes you may feel like, well, he's putting his hands on me, but he's mm-hmm. the only man that stayed there with me. Okay. You rationalize some things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, that that Stockholm syndrome somewhat, where you 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 love you love your captor, you know, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Purdy. Um, she definitely, um, Miss Thomas definitely hit on it. She even said it about her own self, the feeling responsible, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for just being in that in that position. Um, one of the main things besides that you love that person and you can't believe that they're doing it, but you also believe that they will stop because they yep. keep promising that they'll change. And sometimes abuse doesn't occur every day. Sometimes you have some abusers that may only hit you maybe six months might go by, maybe a year. And it's not until you get further and further into the relationship that it continues to be more often. But at that time, if, you know, it happened one time, he said he'll never do it again. And then it happened again, but that's because he said he was upset because he lost his job. And mm-hmm. and just like she said, we rationalize it. We make excuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we become codependent in believing that we can change him. Mm-hmm. And maybe that hit me because it was my fault. But you also... You have that fear of, like you said, with the children, maybe fear that he's going to get custody because he's the breadwinner. Yep. Um, he threatens to take them or he threatens to hurt the kids or he threatens to kill himself or he threatens to kill your family if you try to leave. Um, a lot of times people don't realize religion, religious mm-hmm. beliefs or your culture or don't mm-hmm. have housing. Or you call the police and they never take you seriously. So now you feel like, how can I leave if they won't listen? And every time they come, he overpowers me. I'm screaming and crying, and they're like, ma'am, you need to sit down. Mm -hmm. You understand, but we're emotional creatures as it is, and you've just been attacked, and you're like, I finally got the strength to cry out. Please hear me, but if, if you don't have the right law enforcement that has right. the correct training, you'll mm-hmm. be worse off. And so these are um, a lot of the major factors mm-hmm. that that can happen. Maybe you don't have the support of your family. I thank God for my family, especially if they're mm-hmm. listening. Um, mm-hmm. They were very supportive, and Amen. they they were there. That's good. And Listen. they were like, never again. That's wrong. Getting out is not easy, and that's it. That pointed out tonight It's the most dangerous uh, part It's the most dangerous uh, part in the relationship When you you make up your mind to leave That's when you can live or die So listen, I, I try to ask questions That are going to you know Deal with the truth and, and the reality Of the situation But sometimes people don't want to answer I'll answer the question You want answers? I think I'm entitled You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Listen, you, you you just got truth tonight, and you got to be able to handle it for what it is, and not be quiet about this subject. As we as we uh, they prepare, briefly prepare the closing remarks, like we in the courtroom, you know, we want to uh, <laughs> want you to speak to that person who may be listening, who may be a survivor, and 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 still uh, reliving this thing, or they may just like you that you're victorious now, no matter what you. Experience or what you've gone through, you are victorious, and I thank God for you, uh, Mr. CEO. Can you share before you know that those last words before we go out, and I'll hand it over to the ladies. Yes, sir. Once again, I want to thank you, Apostle, for even you know bringing the subject up and out. And once again, ladies, you know your courage is uh, is, is encouraging, you know. And I just want to say, you know, we we got to get on the wall and begin to watch and begin to protect. 
you know, we're not here by ourselves to be by ourselves. You know, the Bible says no man is an island to himself. And the Bible says whom the Son is set free is free indeed, so no one has the right to enslave anyone, especially in the church. That's a whole other subject. But uh, once again, uh, once again, I thank you for the light has been shined, and now uh, we can move forward as the help. You know, Amen. That's good, brother. Thank you, uh, Miss Thomas. Did you just mm-hmm. give some brief words to that person who's listening tonight? Um, I I like to tell people. Um, I always say sometimes it only takes one word. Sometimes that person has been called all kind of names and is feeling some some kind of way about themselves. And sometimes it might just be hello. And that person can open up this floodgate that's been there with them that whole time. Um, I encourage something I didn't think about before. Um, my mom used to have us listen to Helen Baylor. Mm-hmm. And I love but I didn't realize the significance until Domestic violence happens. There's a song she has that's called Helen's Testimony. And mm-hmm. in it, she said, I had a praying grandmother. I had a praying grandmother. I know, right? And there was a, yep, there was a point in that song where she says, she says, she's not glorifying the drugs and all them things. I'm just saying, I don't belong to you. If mm-hmm. they keep it in their mind that they don't belong to another person, that they belong to God, so nobody has the right to talk to you any kind of way or put their hands on you. And if other people out there that run into these people for in the midst of their storms to just understand just just a little sunshine, just hi, just hello. That open up so much and save a life. Amen. Thank you so much, Ms. Thomas. Uh, Dr. Purdy, if you could uh, have some brief comments before we go to those people who are listening. Absolutely. I want to speak to those victims. Um, First, I want to speak to people who may know someone who is in um, a domestic violence relationship. I want to say to be patient. Don't judge them. Um, Try to get them the help that they need. Um, Know that you don't have all the answers, um, but the support is the most important thing. And then if there are any, any person out there that is stuck, I just and they want to leave. I just want to encourage them to please leave. Don't feel weak. Don't blame yourself. Don't feel embarrassed because you stayed so long. Don't feel trapped by the guilt because that's what they want you to do. Just get out and know that you don't deserve to be mistreated. And if you have children, you definitely want to get out for your children's sake safety and for their sake, and they deserve to be happy. So just know that you're not alone. You can call You can call myself. You can call Ms. Thomas. We're here for you. There are so many advocates. There are so many shelters uh, that can support you if you don't have someone, you know, close to you that can support you. Hey, Amen. Listen, I want to give you this number uh, from Dr. Perry. She's shared with me, 1-800-799-SAFE. That's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. Listen, we barely touched the subject tonight. We scratched it, but we opened up the dialogue, and we just asked that it continue. And guess what? I got about 18 more shows left in this season. We count down. Mm-hmm. I did 50 last season, and we kept on going. Listen, we just thank God for our host, our, our, our special guest tonight, Dr. Natalie Purdy. Thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing your story. And as always, Mr. CEO, my big brother, we appreciate you. Mr. Spencer Light, you know, Apostle John L. Solomon, continue to get the war on. Righteous are bold as a lion. All right? So just keep doing what you're doing. We're going to go out and join me next next Wednesday. We're going to talk about facing your, no, not your fears, but facing your faith. That's what power comes. Power comes when you operate right that we're going to go out with this. Being here tonight, we love you. God bless you. You had something, uh, Mr. CEO? No, no, you did well, uh, Capitan. God bless. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Listen, <laughs> bless y'all. Good night. <laughs>